Welcome to But Why Though, the podcast, a roundtable conversation about pop culture with writers from around the But Why Though community. I'm your host, Alex, and I'm joined today by Jason. Hello. And Adrian. Hey, how's it going? This week, inspired by the uh, increasingly crazy stunts of the Fast and Furious franchise, we are talking about Jumping the Shark. Not to say that that franchise has jumped the shark, but just like that was inspired. It Like you can surely see where we are going with that. Uh, but before we get into all of that, we do want to talk about news because it's been like actually a pretty busy news era. Is that is that fair to say? A lot of co- a lot of things going on. Yeah, a lot of like news in in the medium, less like trailers these last few weeks because it's a dead zone for that. But some other big things happening. I say just like actual things. So, yeah. So first is is the writer strike, which this is big. This hasn't happened, I think, since 2007. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's honestly, it's a little bit too big for us to get into, I think. But like the the very short of it is just writers are getting a, a bum deal out of streaming services, residuals, all that kind of stuff. And so they kind of just decided to throw down and they are fully on strike. Um, is that That's about the size of it, right? Yeah, it's largely about residuals. It's largely about minimums and the terrible pay mm-hmm. that writers get especially people who work on streaming services and it's yeah it's about uh it's about ai it's about all sorts of oh yeah that because that was one of their one of their things was don't replace us with ai and the basically like the the re- response wasn't even a counter offer it was just no yeah it was like no promise of we won't replace you with ai which is insane um, I did see too. Someone posted like, "This is why we're striking," and it was their residuals check for two episodes. I think of Jane the Virgin, and it was three cents. Yeah, saw that one too. It, it, or even Which, just like, like it took it took more man hours, like dollar wise, to cut that check than the check is worth. Right, that's like printing a penny it costs more than it it's worth. Exactly. It, yeah, I'm it, pretty sure like the deposit fee that they have to pay is more than three cents, a hundred percent. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah, it's a joke. Um, but all that to say, um, Jason, do you want to kind of share your your main thoughts that you'd written down about all of this? Yeah, I mean, it, it, the other big piece of it, too, is that like writers are asking for a percentage, a small percentage in the grand scheme of how much the executives at the major studios rake in year to year to be distributed mm-hmm. across across the the guild and it's an entirely fair ask fair is an understatement it is it is beyond fair it's something that obviously we as a, a site more than support it's something that mm-hmm. um we also have to like acknowledge and recognize that we're we're critics we're we're writers ourselves we're people who are on mm-hmm. in a different side of the industry and have no choice but to continue to do our work of reviewing content of, of discussing things that are coming out it's important to note we've talked about this on twitter we've talked about this in discord like folks in the writers guild are not calling for a boycott they're not calling, at all they're calling for support uh of all kinds join the picket lines you know have other other writers, directors, uh, actors groups support them. But mm-hmm. um, man, I I am so hoping that another guild them. joins. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's illegal for them to just strike without authorizing a a strike related to their like actual contracts to come up. But the mm. directors guild has a contract negotiation ongoing, in that 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 a contract track that expires pretty soon 
And so it's it's in the realm of possible that we oh, see okay. that we see a similar uh, piece of solidarity from the directors. I think it'll be interesting to see when we start getting those shows that decided to to plunge forward and keep going because the scripts are finished, so to speak. Um, because if you know anything about how movies get made, those scripts are not finished. <laughs> no, they're um, never finished. Exactly. Yeah. You, you do rewrites day of, um, I actually saw a really interesting tweet. I think it was, uh, Siobhan Thompson basically said, if you're an actor and you're ad libbing on set right now, you're a scab. Like, <laughs> I mean, and it was like, that's, that's intense, but she's not wrong. Right. It's, and it's a complicated thing. You, we're not going to get into it, but like, you know, where does the line get drawn between a writer and a showrunner? Where is the mm-hmm. difference between a showrunner and a producer who also does writing? You know, there was a big kerfuffle with Tony Gilroy over the last week and, and the Andor show and some some misconstruings of his intentions by uh, all different sides of the parties that weren't himself before he announced that he's you know ceasing production on the show. Um, mm hmm to clarify things that were seemed like he might've already intended that from day one. Um, and like, yeah, you go on Twitter and you're reading variety or Hollywood reporter or the things that Bob Iger says, you get a different story and that's not <laughs> like just, you know, before anyone goes out there trying to form opinions, just listen to the, what the writers have to say, listen to the people yep. that produce the labor before just assuming what, uh, anyone else says is oh yeah because otherwise you get a was it zaslav who was like the love of labor will bring people back and end the strike right yeah exactly which was the most bonkers out of touch sentence as if as if hbo warner whatever they're called isn't already just completely oh yeah out of their minds um Definitely. And then um, moving on from that, there's been, I think, a decent amount of movie news. There was you were saying Mario crossed one billion. Is that international? International or domestic? Okay, that's still that's huge for a video game movie. Has that happened before? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't (laughs) like I can't think of of the video game movie that it would be. Yeah, I was looking before. There's only like 52 movies that even have made a billion (laughs) dollars. Oh, wow. Okay, so yeah, this is like huge for Mario to be on that list. Right. I think it's the first one since Avatar 2. And it's like, I forget what the stat was, but it's like the first non-sequel to cross a billion in a long time, like in many years. And yeah, it's like kind of an unfair thing because Mario is not a sequel, but we all know Mario. Like, Mario's been around Like, movies struggle... (laughs) Movies struggle because they have to establish what they are and then they bring in an audience for the second one. Mario's coming in with 30 plus years of people knowing who he is and then just dropping a movie and it being the quote first one. And it's like, it, it's a, it, it half counts. It's, it's not a full truth there. Right. I think yeah, the question- I, I, I looked at, I looked it up cause I was, cause I was curious and because box box, mm-hmm. box office mojo doesn't exist like it used to back when we used to. I was going to ask if you were going on box office mojo. I don't when go on that side typing. anymore cause it's not the same. It's such uh, a shame. <laughs> Those but, are some of my yeah. favorite moments on the show back in the day. When it it's so worked. good. It just gives you all of your lists that you need for everything. But I think I put that in when I made the But Why Though Drinking game. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah, you did. Uh, so according to Wikipedia, I know that's not the, you know, the most accurate source, but for, for this, I'm, I'm sure it's fine. So um, Super Mario Brothers movie is $1.1 billion right now. The next movie after that is actually Warcraft at 439000 um, 
and obviously, or 439 million, where obviously a lot of that came from China box. I think like 300 million of it comes mm-hmm. from like the China box office. So it's a, you know, twice as much as the next movie on the list. Hmm. Yeah, that's massive. My question is just like, how does that make us feel that that the Super Mario Brothers movie has reached a billion dollars? I mean, as a as a longtime Nintendo fan, I feel good about it. I feel like it's kind of a testament to the character. It's the you know the cross generational appeal that like my brother wanted to see this as much as this kid did, um, and that it's you know it's just something that people are are enjoying. I think a family movie too crossing that billion dollar mark is really interesting. Um, because I would imagine most of those billion dollar ones are like either PG-13 superhero movies or Titanic or, uh, you know, things that are aimed at a slightly older audience, even if par- that doesn't stop parents from bringing their kids to it. Um, so, yeah, I think seeing that genre and that character hit that mark for me feels pretty good. Yeah, I'm just surprised it did it. I didn't think that that it would, especially after things like Pokemon and Sonic and, and all those other ones we've had come out. Uh, recently mm-hmm. who have done like phenomenally well i think on this list oh yeah all of them are over 400 you know 400 million but for a billion that's 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 crazy i didn't think that the the appeal would be that high over something like detective pikachu which i thought would have been higher mm-hmm. than than what it actually was um especially with everything that went into it because i know people were like twitter i say i say people but like the small fraction of the population that's on twitter we're talking about, you know, the Chris Pratt voice and and all of those things that were kind of going into the voice acting part of it. So I didn't think that it would do nearly as well. But, you know, people don't care about that stuff yep. as nearly as much as Twitter does. So, yeah, I mean, I I reviewed it for the site. I saw it in a in a press only screening. So I, I didn't get the chance to witness what families and kids going to see this movie actually looked like and felt like, unfortunately, but the. The days after it came out, I, I'm an educator and I went to work and every kid there was like wearing their Super Mario sneakers and like had their Mario lunchboxes and T-shirts. And we're clearly all going to go see the movie after uh, that day on, on a Sunday. Like it's very clear to me that the difference, I think, between Mario and like Sonic or Detective Pikachu is that Mario is very clearly a kid's movie. It is. Mm-hmm. not you can't say the same about the other two even i i've seen oh yeah that, i mean like, even just by, not by virtue of the live action but they're they they lean if you are a kid towards a little bit older because it's live action like you said because of just mm-hmm. the, like the tone of the movie um oh yeah this is a movie that a six-year-old can see and enjoy and go i don't care about the quality of the movie because i'm six my favorite characters are on the screen and that's fun like i have qualms with the quality yeah. and i wish that there were some things that were different and I hope that those things might be different in the inevitable 600 sequels we'll get in spinoffs. But, uh, I, you know, I'm just glad that kids get to enjoy a movie and that like it's brought them back to theaters. Cause clearly that's been a challenge since the pandemic and even probably a bit before that. Uh, All right. So jumping the shark, this is, um, I mean, there's part of me that's like, it's sweet flips and six stunts that are out of place, but it's also when like a sitcom has run out of ideas and oops, someone's pregnant and now we can do baby storylines. Um, it's famously from Happy Days doing a literal jump over the shark with uh, Henry Winkler in like a, basically a Speedo and a leather jacket on water skis going over a shark. Uh, and that was the moment where a lot of people were like, this show has gone too far. It's run out of ideas. Um how do you guys feel, I guess, generally when you hear that phrase, like 
Does it ring true? Does it feel overused? Like, where where are you at with it? I'll defer to Jason because he has like a fancy definition for it. And that way uh, I don't have to <laughs> be followed up by his great definition. I was just looking up the short. Doesn't it like only happen in the fourth season of a show too? Like it's the fifth season and we'll get into that later. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. Um, Does it ring true? I don't know. It depends on the context. Like in, I I wasn't around watching happy days to know whether this was like a real moment in culture where everyone had fallen off the wagon with it and they jumped the shark and then they went, eh, I'm still not coming back. I think that it can make sense as a concept, like, because it totally, like, you could see it being a thing where we got to put on one last big attempt to get all the viewers back before it's too late. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I think to tease my thought on big movie franchises doing, doing jumping... Oh, jumping yeah. the shark like i i i'm i'm cautious to use that that terminology specifically that's fair i feel like with movies um and i i say this as i'm looking at my copy of star wars movies it's less you jumped the shark cuz it's not that you're out of ideas it's just that you've done something where you've lost me is often what it is um yeah. i feel like jumping the shark is maybe more specific to tv shows because it is that that episodic structure there's I think famously the last season of Roseanne um, is that they've won the lottery and just every episode is so tonally dissonant. And then that like that alone was off putting for people. And then at the end, it's like, actually none of that happened. And this has all been a delusion. Like it's like a story that she's been writing because she can't deal with the reality of her husband dying. Um, Gosh. And so I think that's the other thing is, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for Roseanne. Um, but yeah, so I think it's, uh, we had talked about this off mic, but it's when a franchise is in decline and it, it takes some drastic action to bring back viewers, usually it's desperate. Usually it kind of betrays either the tone or premise or rules of the universe. Like it just does something that's like, well, this doesn't feel right. You know, like if the end of Game of Thrones was somebody showing up in a time machine, that would be like, oh, you've you went too far. Like yeah. you did something <laughs> crazy to try to to keep us going by introducing the time travel dragon. Um, yeah, I think a lot of it comes back to like when we talked about our our conversation on filler and like what is filler and what isn't. And I think it's, you know, I think you guys have touched on it a little bit here. It's not like when you stop liking the show like that when jumping the shark isn't like when you stop liking the show. So mm-hmm. I was because I was going through like the list of like the the shows like the most popular shows that like have jumped the shark and one I hadn't seen a lot of these shows because they're kind of all in like that eighties and nineties mm-hmm. uh, time period and two like some of these are talking about like Game of Thrones jumping the shark and I don't think that that's even remotely accurate to to say that that show jumped the shark just because yeah I think like, that one just had a drop in quality yeah I mean just and I'm I'm an avid season eight hater. Um, after loving everything before so but i would never say that they jumped the shark but i think stuff like roseanne you know winning the lottery i mean that stuff that stuff makes sense mm-hmm. um and well, again, especially because that was the that was like the first working class family sitcom that felt real according to people so yeah for the entire last season to be like now we're rich and we're nothing like you is like this you like you again you did something drastic and it betrays the tone yeah and i think it's like also hard to say 
because I know that like looking at some of those two, it's like oh they added in a baby, but like some of those actors are like really pregnant in real life. Like it's not like they chose oh, yeah. to like throw in a baby. Like Macklem in the middle didn't choose to throw in a baby. Like she was legitimately. Yeah, pregnant well, at I, the time. I feel like that. The yeah, the baby example I feel like is a hard. It's to me it feels true, but it is. It's not every time a sitcom adds a baby. Um, but it usually is an indicator of a sitcom kind of running out of stuff to do with the existing mm-hmm. characters. I think Brady Br- Brady Bunch famously added like a nephew that came to live with them or something. And it was like, oh, because you ran out of stuff to do with the other kids. So you needed like a new personality type to play with. Um, right. Or like, yeah. is is this an example of jumping the shark? Like uh, that 70s show runs out of all its characters because they left and graduated high school, but they still wanted to make the show. So they brought in yeah. an entirely different cast except for Donna. And like, is that, but uh, yeah, to me that, that feels like the jumping shark, the shark. Or is that something different? Like it's clearly yeah, like well, you're bringing in some, you're, you're changing the show very dramatically to try yeah, and bring in a new that audience. That feels like a meta one, but it yeah. feels very meta. That's not the only show that's ever done it, but it's the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, forgot because that was the second to last season or the last season the last where season. they were like, they're like Eric moved to Africa to like work with elephants or something, and yeah. here's his cousin who lives here now. Yeah, it was yeah. it was the whole last season. Yeah, well, would, does the office fall into that category too? Once uh, Michael Scott leaves, no, I think so. That is, I don't think there's a term for this. To me, that's a different phenomenon, uh, which is, I guess, sort of similar. Which is, where's the true ending? Mm. Because for like there are a lot of people who are like, this show really should have ended here. Like this was the logical off ramp and they ignored it. Um, And I feel like for The Office, Michael leaving is a logical off ramp. And then like there's so many other moments. Actually, The Office, I think, has like six logical off ramps that it ignores and just keeps going. Yeah. So that drop in quality definitely has to be like the the main statement. Because like at first with The Office, and I'm not an avid Office watcher, I don't really know all that much about what mm-hmm. happened in like those middle seasons after he left, but like I remember that there was some stunt casting that was happening at first while they that, were trying to find a new tone. Like it was very that's what I was intentional. Thinking. They brought in Will Ferrell to be in an episode or a couple episodes or whatever because it was a big stunt cast, but and it it but it eventually led was, to settling on a more consistent new direction. That's least, true. Like sort of <laughs> from what I gather. Cause how, how many, like, how many stunt casts did they do? There was Will Ferrell, Kathy Bates, um, James Spader was in there for a while. And there was, there was one more that I can't remember. Um, shoot. Who was it? Right. Like, that's almost like actually that is almost feels closer to jumping the shark because they were trying to bring in an audience in a time of crisis for the show. And it kind of worked. Yeah, <laughs> The audience That's came true. back and stuck around for the most part, or at least, you know, enough of an audience to continue on for several more mm-hmm. seasons compared to the Zat 70 show example where like it didn't work. They ended the show. Yeah. I was gonna say for, I think for the office, it was a shakeup. And for that 70s show, it was more of like, no, you just sort of jumped the shark and you, you could have not done that. You could have just ended the show gracefully. Yeah. Or I see it the opposite way. Like it was just, it was an attempted shakeup, but it wasn't really jumping. the shark Oh because yeah. They weren't. I don't know. It, it feels, feels different. It could, I guess it, yeah, it, it didn't really betray like it, it. Stunt casting is in, in the office is what makes it feel like it was closer to a jump the shark situation. Like they were trying to do something outlandish, something big, there was commercials that said we're bringing in yeah. Will Ferrell for this episode. Like 
it was like a thing. Whereas for like for that 70s show, mm-hmm. it was kind of just we're changing the cast and we're going to try to keep the show going. We're going to try to keep. Yeah, try to keep going. Like, that's actually that's a really good point, because part of what made The Office thrive, I think, was that everybody was relatively unknown or someone who you'd only seen in one or two things. So you could fully buy into them as those characters. But then you bring in Will Ferrell and it's Will Ferrell. It's really hard for you to ignore the fact that it's Will Ferrell. Um, yeah, I agree. So, yeah. So now here's my question. Now that we've talked about it a bit, is it necessarily a bad thing? Like it's usually used pretty derisively, but it's like, does it maybe just mark an evolution or a change in direction? Or it, if you do it good, is it a change in direction? And I think this might be where we get into fast and furious. Right. I think that it's, it's only jumping the shark if it doesn't work. I think. Oh, interesting. Yeah, if people would have loved him jumping a shark, you know, back then, and it was like the coolest thing ever, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. I was when I was doing my my googling beforehand. Like the coin, the term wasn't coined until years later, by almost a a decade. Like yeah, like by researchers who were trying to explain a phenomenon in television. It's like, yeah, it it only it's only jumping the shark if it doesn't work. It's the same. Adrian brought up the filler and. Uh, to like when you were having the filler conversation the only thing i kept thinking about was like it has a really specific definition and so probably does jumping the shark that's just like a little they're both kind of a little hard to define because we all use them so differently colloquially Mm -hmm. but like to me like filler doesn't exist (laughs) like it is only filler if it is very specifically and intentionally uh, uh, taking a sidestep away from the main plot of a show and you are having a mm-hmm. distinctly separate not even a bottle episode because that's a different kind of thing but like you're just specifically like taking a moment to have a completely unrelated thing because you're doing it because you need time to catch up because the writers did not mm-hmm. have enough time to continue the plot if it's any other thing it's not filler like if it's an episode you didn't like it's not filler if it's an episode that's unrelated but still was like purposely put there it's filler. It's not filler. If it's yeah. if it's because the writers needed catch up time, then it's filler. Then so it's to me, filler. Like, yeah, I feel and like I, it's I think... important with jumping the shark to have the same level of scrutiny over the term so that it's like it only is that if it's happening for this reason. And I'm not sure that I know what way to define it exactly is, but I think we're getting closer with the. Oh, you know, yeah. I, the, and I agree with all that. I, if it doesn't work idea. I feel like the thing with both of those terms is that they get thrown around for things that people just didn't find good. Right. Where it's like that episode annoyed me. It was filler. It's like, was it, or is it maybe going to be important later? Or was it character growth or was it teaching you about them? Right. Um, and I same can't... with jumping the, sh- jumping the shark is how, like, do you have to only know that that's what it was in hindsight? Maybe. Yeah. It's like shows have the right movie franchises have the right to evolve and grow. <laughs> and like, yeah, as, as yeah, you and, will certainly describe with Fast and Furious. Yeah, I, th- I think when you, when you talk about the things that w- like what jumping the shark is, um, like you guys have mentioned before, it's that kind of like tonal shift away from like the, the core things that make the franchise what the franchise is or what the, what the series is. And I think the way if you look at Fast and the Furious, I know everyone you know, looks at five as like this is where they decided to go crazy. But it's really not like if you look at one, two, one, two, I guess maybe three uh, and four, they're already doing crazy stunts. They're already 
taking down drug cartels. They're already yep. driving under cars and making things. The, the only big difference in with five is that they bring in the rock and that brings in a whole new element of like taking them from kind of like, you know, petty crime, low level drug rings to like the spy thriller kind of, you know, genre. That and he's in really between. annoying in the in five and six when he first appears. He's like not. Yeah, because he does. He's not in his goofy era mm-hmm. yet. You know, he's still yeah, he's, he's still yeah. trying to be a hard. Yeah, psalm, psalm, <laughs> bitch, because his accent changes between the first three yeah, movies too. he's in. Uh, it's it's yeah. it's ridiculous how much his accent changes. He's, um, he's not he's not doing it right until he uses his muscles to break the cast. That's when you know. Yeah, he's, exactly. He's hit full camp. Until yeah, he, and, and, that's, and, and, that was the, maybe the most ridiculous moment. I was going to say with Fast and Furious, the earliest potential shark that I saw someone identify is the bridge jump in two. Um, I would say I can live with the bridge jump. For me, I think the earliest possible one is the ejection seat in two. I think is where you're like going are, a little, you're going a little Looney Tunes with it to me. I think both of those are fine because you can do those things. Like you, you can you can jump a car off a thing. You know how hard it is to drive a car under a semi going well, yeah, I mean, 80 miles an hour that feels way more ridiculous and like it's unnatural yeah. so that, and to man, rob a, a, a semi in the middle of the day in california seems like a yeah. like that that's over the top and ridiculous like, I, so i with. think this gets into my theory of why because as much as fast and the furious to me is something that i mentally associate with jumping the shark i think it's because it's actually the way the dna of that franchise exists it's actually impossible for that franchise to jump the shark yeah because I, I th- the the every movie the first movie is a solid scale up right like we do races we do more dramatic races we slide under a semi truck and we jump in front of a train it escalates and there's that set piece stunt of going in front of the train and going under the semi truck and every movie since then has had a set piece stunt and everything that people are going to say like that's jumping the shark is the set piece stunt for each movie and it's like, oh, no, 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 this is a, this franchise, like the core of it is escalation. Right. So it's kind of impossible for them to jump the shark when that's the whole point. Right. They've done literally everything except for jump over a shark. Yeah. If they jump over a shark in this next one, I'm going to lose my mind. Why haven't but, they jumped a shark yet? Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think for, for, for me as, as someone who like legitimately like goes and watches these and like enjoys the friend, because mainly because like the core, because, because if you look at, you know, Outside of all the stunts, the core tenants are always there. I know, like, the meme is family and whatever, but, like, there's that, that core tenants are there through all, all the movies, no matter what they're doing, whether it's outrunning a, a submarine or ejecto cedo, because, like, all those things are, are, are always there. And I think that the set piece thing is super important because you can point to, like, one or two set pieces in each movie where you're like, oh, well, that was kind of cool what they did, whether it's, you know, them legitimately throwing cars out of planes and putting parachutes on them, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, for a practical stunt. But I think we're, we're – I wouldn't say – I wouldn't call this jumping the shark, but I think this is them – being trying to maybe this maybe this is jumping the shark man my say my favorite one of my favorite franchises is jumping <laughs> the shark but i think when you i i think their meta-ness it was gone by nine because their commentary with like tyrese's character and the ludicrous and 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 you know that stuff is oh, just him like realizing that yeah they're like, in a oh, we're, we're invincible we can do whatever we want i think takes <laughs> out of like what makes like this franchise so like unique and okay for them to do crazy stuff because they don't know that they're doing crazy stuff. They're just doing stuff. So I think. Oh, when that, you, so 
the acknowledgement is the shark jump for you. Yeah, the acknowledgement is a shark I, jump for I me. I could get on board with that. Yeah. I, I just, like, and we'll have to see how it plays out in 10. Yeah, that, that too. I, I would love to see how it plays out in 10. Because, of course, I want them to go to space. Of course, I want them to go to space. Yeah, but, like, just rat. let them just, just let I, them go to space. You don't have to comment on the fact that, isn't this crazy how we used to be street racers and now we're going to space? Like, we know. We all know. Yeah. You're the eighth highest grossing media franchise on the planet. <laughs> Like, we it's, know, we understand. I almost yeah. would have rather they did the community thing where Abed's like, remember when this used to be about community college? And just, like, names it very specifically and out loud. Yeah, Like, instead yeah. of saying, like, isn't it crazy we've come so far just being like, remember when we used to just care about street racing? That's all you have to yes, say. Yes, because because when they are in when they are in space, they have a kind of line like that. Like, damn, no one's going to believe oh, this. Yeah. Like, we're, like, two dudes in space. Like, this, this is crazy. Like, we've come so far. That would have been fine. And the fact that they do... From like the first 10 minutes of the movie, crazy set piece, crazy set piece, crazy set mm-hmm. piece, crazy set piece, crazy set piece. <laughs> it, it It's just too much for like what the franchise is. Usually you do one or two big, have Dom come yeah. say family. You have some some things there. You know what you're going in there for. And this was just like, it felt like a Michael Bay movie where it's just explosion and set piece and way more CGI yeah. than the franchise has ever had before. So I wouldn't say that like Nine Jumps the Shark for me, but it definitely I walked, that's the first one that I walked out of and I was like, ugh. What? Why? Why? Like, why, why acknowledge it so directly? Yeah, why yeah. acknowledge it so directly when you don't have now, to? Quick mental like, exercise. Oh, sorry. Go on. My, I, I watched five through nine like back to back to back over three days a couple of weeks ago in anticipation of ten, and I'd seen seven, eight, and nine in theaters when they came out, and like I, I wasn't like a I liked them, but I'm not like mm-hmm. wasn't a fan. Watching all of these in a row, I'm like I'm hyped and. <laughs> But but to this to your point about the the stuff with Roman and Mister Ludacris's character whose name I can't remember, um, Pige. Yeah, they to me the problem the the challenge is less about whether they became too self aware because I think honestly they kind of were on an arc towards this for the last four movies like they have been increasingly especially Roman increasingly being built as like just way too over the top self-aware weird character direction for them and not in a bad way but just like it's just been a a skyrocketing trajectory for the way it, like mm-hmm. this feels it felt honestly like a natural path that this is where roman wound up is like we're, I, we're invincible we must be <laughs> like, yeah it, felt, it actually felt single, natural to me every single like, scene he's in jason in nine it's like every single scene he's like, he's oh, like yeah. talking about he's it. Talking i'm not saying it's it. not too much i'm not saying that it's like the right choice but it felt natural as a progression for him based on how yeah. they've been building him at least to me what yeah is like the part that i'm wondering about as far as did they jump a shark at some point is the fact that um, box office wise, the last two movies did substantially less good. The last three, I guess, if you include the, uh, the spinoff one, like did substantially lower numbers in the box office than seven and six did. Yeah, seven and six. Okay. So like, because clearly there was a decline in popularity, does that part of it warrant the like the 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 tag of jumping the shark that they is there mm. is there some something that made it so they they had to do more of something in order to bring the audience back that's a good question because i know i feel like in my head four five and six all go together pretty well as like a little trilogy mm-hmm. seven sort of you know rounding that out 
Um, but it makes sense that after that, like people would watch the first one and be like, this seems like you're going a little sideways. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, but yeah, whether or not the escalation is a part of what feels like no one knows what's going on. Um, I was going to say quick exercise. So can we try to rapid fire name the set piece stunts of each movie? So one under a semi truck, jumping a train two, driving a car into a boat. Is that it? Drive the car to the boat. Um, And then the, uh, just the whole chase, well, the scramble, the, the race, yeah, the scramble thing was was pretty okay, was pretty fun. Um, three is just like the whole drifting through Tokyo and somehow not murdering a crowd. <laughs> yeah, and drifting through a parking garage because I every time I'm in a parking garage, I was like, I there's no way, there's no way I could do it. Oh, not at all. Oh, uh, and then four, what's four, five, and six all go together in my head, so I can't identify the set pieces. Yeah, four. I don't. Four is more kind of like in like the drama. They really, really hammered into like the crime drama thing. So I probably. Oh, is it the tunnel race? Yeah, the tunnel race would probably be like the big one for them. Uh, going Which is still actually kind of grounded. Yeah, it's fun. It, it, it's, it's a good time. Uh, five is obviously the bank heist. The and bank the, vault. The bank vaults that they, they drove through the yep. through the city. And then, uh, so that means six is when they rip a plane out of the sky? Six, yeah, six is like the long, super long runway forever. Oh, yeah, where someone did the math and was like, that runway is eight miles long. <laughs> yeah, just too, just Wait, too long. Which, one, which one's the one that's got the, the submarine? The skyscraper? Oh, that's eight. That, that's eight, okay. yeah. Oh. Yeah, and, I will, and I, will say, I will say that eight still made $1.2 billion, so I don't know. I mean, people are still signing up. Yeah, seven yeah. is jumping a building or a, a car from skyscraper to skyscraper repeatedly. Yeah, I think they do. Like Eight twice. is the submarine. Yeah. Nine is going to space. Wait, yeah, nine seven, is going to space, but it's also ends, like. Is seven the one that ends with the the cars all get hijacked and they're like falling out of the sky? Yeah, that's for God's, yeah, that's God's, God's, oh my gosh. Yeah, seven, seven's God's eye with uh, all of the cars running yeah, yeah, into yeah. other cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones where, where they, they like, oh, yeah, and then all come pouring out from the, from yeah, the parking yeah, yeah. garages. Oh, eight is the one where they draw and quarter a car. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah, was yeah, exactly. the mo- Which was also kind of absurd. <laughs> right. Also yeah. very absurd. Yeah, yeah. very absurd. Uh, but yeah, yeah but so I mean, I, it is, it's a, it's a series of escalation. So yeah, a series of escalation, but I think that, yeah, I mean, if you because because I went to go look at the box office just just to look because I know that seven and eight did you know as well as any movie you know one point five billion for seven mm-hmm. and one point two billion for for eight even six did seven hundred and eighty eight million but nine only did seven hundred and twenty six million and I wonder if it's because of because because if you, on paper you hear they're going to space I would imagine people are going to sign up and go see it. But there just wasn't the rewatchability factor in there that there was for seven or like eight. nine's well, the one where the huge advertising around it was like Toretto betrays the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's there was and there like, wasn't a big enough thing in in seven. I mean, and in, in nine, and I guess like you can John Cena's like you could draw and you can go be excited oh, yeah. to see John Cena. Well, but the way they they played cast. it out was yeah, just stunt so, like, casting. Series on the decline. Yeah. Big stunt cast. Yeah. Big big marketing ploy is that. Is That's that a, true. Is that a shark jump? Not just John Cena, but John Cena as a ter- as a long lost Toretto, <laughs> right. as like a fully soap opera moment. As as uh, uh, Vin Diesel's brother. Look, yeah, as someone ha- who his, looks his nothing like my siblings, I will defend <laughs> that to the end of time because I look nothing like my. No, I don't think there's anything wa- wrong with it. It's just very uh, specifically, yeah, but, but it's very I think specifically I think, a funny thing in marketing to be like these yeah. two are brothers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then it's the commentary, right? And then to have uh, Mirren's character comment on it, like, 
Oh, you guys look similar. I was like, no, they don't. Like, don't, like, don't get that line don't, out of there. That... Don't, don't insult me. Like, we know no, that wasn't it's not. Someone in the beginning, like, I didn't know you had like Norwegian in you. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. He's like, who else does the? Who else drives like a bad? It's like a Tyrese character in that movie. I just not, 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 yeah, a fan. yeah. not, a fan. not, no, but, but, not, but not I think, great. but I think what they what they struggle from a lot is just like the switching of like the directors so often. Because I think, um, oh yeah. So many of them had the same screenwriter. So many of them had the same director for for a lot of it. And then Justin Lin kind of had to like come in and like save the project almost. If you look at like the production side of this. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much that has to do with it or how much that plays into like a franchise jumping the shark to kind of get back to that. If you're switching those kind of things, how much does that play into like the new person coming in wanting to? Well, not new person because Justin Lin had done stuff to before. like make a name or yeah or to, to reestablish themselves as like you know, this is the this is the time that we went to space uh type thing but I'm yeah gonna be, i'll be morbid for a second too like would the fast and furious franchise at seven at eight have hit the numbers it hit if paul walker dying mm. wasn't one of the literal biggest pop culture news things that happened in 2015 like I, I think i saw that movie because he died and it was a news story and there was a song that was written to dedicated to him that was on the radio in yeah. five seconds. Like I, I, mm -hmm. I wonder if that hadn't been the case, if the movies would have made so much in those next couple and then retracted back to pre seven, eight numbers in the more recent, like if it would have just been a more steady, still large amount of money, mm -hmm. but not as large amount of money. And like if there would just going back to the box office that's, piece of no, like, that's a good that, question. Yeah, like how, how would that have played out? Shark jumping. Yeah. Well, and also, what would the the plots of these movies be? You know, no, he's yeah, they'd be hanging the out. With he's just hanging out with the kids. Yeah, he's <laughs> hanging out with the kids. It's okay. I will maybe this this is not my jumping the shark. This is just a quick nitpick that I have with Fast and Furious. Is the whole like we got to be good parents, but also let's abandon our child to his uncle and go do things that could probably kill us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, this is who we are. And I'm like, you're bad parents. We got <laughs> to protect the world for their kids. You know? Like yeah. you don't have, you don't have to live on a farm, but you also don't have to fight 30 men in a silo where you throw all of them to their death. Yeah. I, I, I think a lot of that comes. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of that comes back to just losing the ensemble piece of like this franchise. When once the rock implodes the franchise a little bit, because I think the film does better if you have like, even if you have Jason 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 Statham in there, I think the, mm -hmm. the film does better because you you had to bring in uh, Jordana Brewster in there to bring in another yeah. character. You had to bring in this. You had to bring Han back to bring another character because you're like you've lost so many characters over the course. Of you the just franchise. kill a lot of characters it, too. It, it so worked, it's just like though. oh they're back. They're it still here. worked. There's still a lot of it. Still feels just as ensemble-y and like not. It's not like, you know, that 70s show where we're just replacing everyone. We're just bringing people back or adding one new character at a time. By the time we get to 10, like, all the characters that have been brought back are coming back, plus one new character with Jason Momoa and one more returning character with Gal Gadot. So, like, it doesn't, it feels, again, just the same. Like, it's always on a rocket ship trajectory and maybe one day mm -hmm. they'll run out of run out of space to keep growing. But it just it continuously feels natural to me. Like I I I have said this about it several times. I I think that Fast and the Furious knows what it's doing when it's comes to mm -hmm. its like 
intentionality behind its absurdity and its constant exponential growth in absurdity where like maybe it didn't start that way maybe the fifth movie is where this began and by like the sixth they looked at five and said oh i think we found something here let's keep growing on it but now it's mm-hmm. like look we've got we've got long lost twins siblings we've got comas we've got people coming back from the dead repeatedly Fast and Furious is literally just a soap opera. Like it is, yeah. it is when you when you lay it out like that, absolutely. <laughs> and like not in a, and that's not a not a pejorative. Like that is a perfectly valid medium of storytelling. That like it's yeah. it's what that I goes around for decades. It's, it's doing something exactly. Like it's it's something I I call uh, works of exaggerated emotion. It's like this thing with soap operas, yeah. or stage, or rom coms, even where the creators of these of these stories intentionally inject a level of of knowing absurdity of knowing like over the top uh emotionality over the top in the case of this you know we, mm-hmm. we're really going to lean into the family we're really going to lean into the growing constantly ensemble and the growing stakes of the universe and they they know that and it's it's like suspend your suspend your uh stance and normal reality for a second to watch the movie and Mm -hmm. you can be pushed into having a really good time because they're trying to pull out these extra layers of of emotion out of it yeah and that so that that actually brings me to a thought because we've talked about how it's only jumping the shark if it doesn't work but also does it even matter and i say that because we've talked about there's a few points in Fast and the Furious where you can say this has jumped the shark. This has gone too far. And then going back to the original shark jump, Happy Days, that was in season five. That show ran for 11 seasons. It didn't see its viewership drop down below. Like, like it, season five was its peak of viewership. But if I remember right, it held steady ratings. Like the, the numbers it did for seasons like two, three, and four, it did those same numbers for seasons six, seven, and eight. Like it held pretty high and was still pretty well received for another six years. So like, even if we can say it jumped the shark, it went too far. It did something stupid. Does it matter? Cause like clearly people will still watch this or clearly it's what people love about it. I mean, the other example that comes to mind for me where it's like, actually it's cooked into the DNA is resident evil. Um, like that whole game series, like you start it and it's fun. And then suddenly there's a secret laboratory under the derelict <laughs> mansion. And like, that's from day one. They've never not done that. It's There's always some ridiculous moment where things go really over the top, but it's baked in. It, it It's impossible to jump the shark and it's something people love about it. And same with Fast and the Furious. Like it's what people love about it. So yeah, does, I mean, with that, all those thoughts out there, do you guys feel like it actually matters? Yeah, I mean, Fast 9 was still the fifth highest grossing movie even after in 2021, even with its, its drop. Oh, really? Yeah. It was still, it was still number five. Um, only losing out to no time to die. Hi mom. The battle at Lake, uh, Chikagan and no way home. Um, I literally no idea what two of those five movies even are. I don't know either. That's, I don't know how they made so much money. Uh, oh, not in the U S China. That's yeah. That, that's why. Um, yeah, so I, I think that if as long as it works, I think it's fine. I, I think for for a franchise like Fast and the Furious to like truly, truly jump the shark, like where it it's just in the toilet and, and nothing is going on, it would have to be like Vin Diesel out of the franchise or something, and they try to like replace him with um, 
you know, kind of like what they, well, they, they had like that spinoff, the Spy Racers spinoff where it's like his uh, cousin or something. His oh, the co- wait, the right? cousin from the, from the one movie. Yeah. So like, yeah. So now he's like a spy thing on, on Netflix. It, it, it's okay, but it's definitely more, it's more ridiculous than the Fast and the Furious is in terms yeah. of like what they do. Um, but that they would have to do that. I think for them to, cause you, you, then you would lose like the core identity of the thing that everyone's coming to see. I think a little bit more than, than anything. So, uh, yeah. as long as I think you keep those core tenants, they can go fight the, the magma men and at the center of the earth. And it still works. I think <laughs> as long as they're doing it in cars with the family, what yeah. if we're, what if we're looking at it wrong and it's not that jumping, jumping the shark isn't an outcome. Jumping the shark is just a moment. Like it's it's a thing that happens in a story. It do, but it doesn't actually impact the longevity or legacy yeah. necessarily. Right. It's just it yeah, is the I, moment I can see that, when you do the outlandish thing that's not necessarily in character with what you would normally do. And it probably happens at a time when you're struggling with viewership or financially and you want to capture an audience, but it's really just a moment that happens and it's less about whether it works or not. It's just it happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I can say that. I think that's actually a really strong argument that it's not. Yeah, it's it's not about what happens in the long run, even though it can have long term implications. Right. It's really just about where you forgot yourself a little bit and did something yeah. weird. I didn't even life, realize right? that yeah. Happy Days ran it for twice the length after that happened. <laughs> like, yeah, you yeah, saying that makes me wonder, like, why are we even everything. having this conversation? Yeah. Because that doesn't, that yeah. t- totally takes away from the whole concept of what I thought oh, this yeah. meant. I thought, that, oh, after they jump the shark, it's over with. They're, they're well, done. And it, admittedly, too, I so I learned that from going we on Wikipedia to, to read more about it. But uh, <laughs> but Ron Howard was the one who was like, yeah, we went on for like another like five or six years. Like, I, I really don't know that it's as much of a... Uh, demerit or, or a mark on the show as people think it is like we were still very successful it was like was it our best episode absolutely not but like we kept going it was fine yeah right. i think even even for your examples here you have a uh uh kingdom of the crystal skull on here as as an example because a lot a lot of people were like this is it it's done yeah but we're he's coming back right. <laughs> we're well, getting it's, another it's also indie like, movie it it it's something that academically might be used to describe the moment where the show's quality or viewership or whatever might have started to to decline, but that decline was happening anyway. It was just it was it's the marked moment that you can notice that that something happened, but it's also that the, the moment show where they, knows there's a decline. Right. It's the moment where they recognize it and tried to do something creatively to course correct. And like yeah. it yeah. it doesn't mean it, it's not it's not the Cause, cause of the decline necessarily because mm-hmm. yeah, look jumping a shark is still cool as shit like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah it's still well cool. i was gonna say it would be like if we got a game where it's like here's mario but now he's got a gun but we got that game and actually it was super cool <laughs> yeah we got that game it was called shadow the hedgehog <laughs> oh i was thinking um mario rabbits <laughs> that too yeah yeah where it's like in like Luigi's a sniper and it's like that's yeah. not a sentence that should happen yeah but it did and actually the game ruled it was awesome Right. I mean, Luigi, the, the first game that came out on the GameCube was Luigi's Mansion. When did when did Luigi ever fight ghosts before that? True. Yeah, that was absolutely not it's a, a part solid of point. it. It's one of my favorite games on the GameCube. So. And, and if and you, it, and if if that you game look at sucked. and if you look at the statistics of Nintendo, you know, console sales and and, and profit like the GameCube is not their most successful uh, console. Like you could call it a jump the shark moment. They were trying something dramatically different. 
but in retrospect like everyone loves that game everyone loves the gamecube and it was like just it was just a moment (laughs) and it happened we can we can say all sorts of things to make fun of it or to praise it but like Mm -hmm. it didn't didn't ultimately impact the long-term uh success of the of the franchise yeah. yeah, and I I would say to really expand the idea of like if the gaming industry can jump the shark, the Wii U is absolutely jumping the shark. But then they were like, well, here's what we really wanted to do, but the tech wasn't there. It's the Switch, and right. now everyone's back on Team Nintendo. Right. Yeah. I still laugh when people, like, I'm pretty sure Matt literally said this on the podcast a week or two ago of like, is the Wii U even a console? Is that a thing? Like people still oh, don't yeah, no, know you said that. I still, that mine's still hooked up. I still play it. <laughs> I never had one myself, but like I loved playing Smash on on that in college with like my one. It actually has some one. really good games. Yeah, and a lot like a and lot of, of the best games from it have Switch. been ported yeah. to the Switch. Yeah, but like we wouldn't have the Switch as it exists without having had the Wii U, and like you can certainly probably consider it a shark jump. It was it was a dramatic mm-hmm. out of character thing to say we're gonna actually have uh two different screens happening at the same time Mm -hmm. and uh we're gonna dis and i mean it was you know it was still very multiplayer encouraging like nintendo tends to be but Mm -hmm. it was uh it was also they're like really trying to push into having enough bandwidth to to get like more mature games on the consoles that obviously didn't Mm -hmm. work and stuff like that so yeah, I mean, and this might be, like, out of, like, the breath of, like, the... This might be, like, more philosophical, you know, note here. But I think when, Alex, when you talk about, like, was that just, like, a moment that they tried and they kept on going? That's just life, though, right? Like, when you when yeah. your career change, when you move states, when you move cities, like, if you look at, like, your life trajectory and you do something crazy like that or do something that changes your life drastically, is that jumping the shark or is that just, like, a moment yeah, who in your here life has not jumped the shark in their yeah. personal life? Yeah. Right? <laughs> so true i mean film tv games it's art like art is art art requires creative risks to to Mm -hmm. to innovate like and to create something new and valuable yeah maybe maybe sometimes you just need to jump the shark yeah there you go (laughs) you know so yeah we figured it out jumping the shark is it's just when something doesn't really make sense but it's not the end of the world and sometimes it's a good thing yeah yeah and sometimes it's so dumb. Chase, chase those sharks and then jump them. Yeah. <laughs> chase and, chase and, those sharks and jump them. Yeah. And I sure hope that they jump over a shark in Fast 10 Part 2. They've got to. Please. <laughs> like, if Please. they want to really be self-aware, they will jump a shark in one of these movies. Oh, Meg is going to be there. Uh, <laughs> um, have you guys been, uh, though, have you been, like, watching anything, reading, playing that you want to recommend or any articles you've written recently? Um, I mean, we're by the time this comes out, we'll be a couple of weeks off of it. Uh, but Star Wars Visions is out and it's phenomenal. Um, Kate Season and I, two, right? Yeah, volume two. Yeah, Kate and I wrote a whole bunch of stuff on it. It's fantastic. Go check it out. It's great. Um, I know that like Star Wars uh, Jedi Survivors out, and that's where a lot of people are putting their time. But spend mm-hmm. you know spend a couple hours of your day and go watch some really really great phenomenal phenomenal animation in the Star Wars universe that's going on in, in Star Wars Visions Volume Two. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll point out two things. First one, a couple of weeks ago in the discord, I made commentary about how I think that the era of dads in movies is over that Chris Pine, unfortunately for as much as he was great in Dungeons and Dragons and the movie was swell. Mm -hmm. I did not like the dadness of that movie whatsoever. I thought it was a detriment to its its overallness, and it was just like forced in there because it was a trend that was hot. 
and I thought that he killed the dad, the dad vibe. I just got back right before we started recording this from seeing uh, Robert Rodriguez's uh, Ben Affleck starred Hypnotic. And let me tell you, mm-hmm. dads are back. <laughs> dads are back. <laughs> dads are back. You heard it here. My review so is coming so soon. So you're saying that Dungeons and Dragons did not jump the dad shark of, of that No, trip. it did jump the shark, but it's fine. Dads are back. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> dads are back. It's happening. And you know what? I'm not saying it's a good movie, but it wasn't a bad movie. And there's some dads. Go- there's some real funny Ben Affleck dad going on there, if you ask me. <laughs> I think Excellent. I might be the most I... positive on this movie of anyone out there. But like, you know, I, I thought it was fine. <laughs> It's only been loosely on my radar, but I'm maybe sold on going to see it now. Yeah. Same. My my other re- rant as briefly as I can give it, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I spent pretty much the entire month of April preparing an article for the recently released Carmen adaptation starring Paul Mescal, um, directed by... A guy whose last name is Millipede. I can't remember his first name, but he's the person who choreographed Black Swan, like a, a really well-regarded mm-hmm. choreographer. Um, and, you know, I was uh, people were excited about Carmen because it's a famous choreographer and it's Paul Mescal. So I watched 30 different versions of Carmen, which is like one of the most adapted things ever. Like, of all time. Dracula mm-hmm. is considered the most, and this is considered the second. Carmen being, like, the French opera from 1875, slash it was adapted from a novella from 40 years before that. Carmen 2023 was the worst screen adaptation of Carmen <laughs> since 1870, 1894. I wasn't sure where this buildup was going. <laughs> it, was, it was horrendous in every way possible. As not just as a movie, but as an adaptation, like truly just completely betraying everything that makes Carmen Carmen. I wrote 3,800 words about this, so I won't go on too long about okay. it. Go read it. Is it's there a version it. you do recommend? There's so many good versions. I mean, there's 120 different screen adaptations, including many different, you know, recordings of live operas, dance versions, etc. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and you literally can't go wrong compared to this one. Yeah, you pretty much can't. <laughs> even even the Beyonce starred uh, Carmen, a hip hopera, the MTV original movie for uh, not MTV, B- BET original movie from 2001, which is known for being a terrible movie, is better than this. Um there's there's a rap scene at the end of this movie that is worse than any of the raps in that movie, and they're all pretty bad in in the hip opera. Wow! Um, if you have the the gall to sign up for Flix Olay, which is a Spanish website, like a website for, a streaming site from Spain with a lot of um, like classic Spanish films, the best version is Carmen by. Um, Carlos Saura, which is like a flamenco adaptation that's like kind mm-hmm. of meta on two different levels about the story. And it's like really well choreographed. It's it's a really good version. Um, there's a great, a pretty good version by um, John Luc Godot as well that came out the same year in like 85. There's there's um, an opera version from 1984 also um, that's like a really good just opera movie version of it. There's a ton. There's hmm. silent films from many different countries there's there's black and white from like the early sound days there's there's a lot of good adaptations this is the worst (laughs) 
by by right. by by a margin. Like just go read the article. It's highly Yeah, I have researched. to go read it now. I literally went to the Library of Congress to watch one of the versions of this movie that wasn't accessible anywhere else. Like And it's just yeah. It's just terrible. All right. Um and I think for me, I have been playing uh Ollie Ollie World. It came out last year. Um, deceptively simple controls. It's a skateboarding game where you mostly just use the joysticks and two buttons. Um, mile high skill ceiling. Like you start off and it's like, oh, can you get 60,000 points? And at the end it's like, can you get 8 million? Because you need to get 8 million. And it's like, I don't know how we got here, but like also somehow I'm able to do these things. Like it's, yeah, it's just insane. But a really fun game, trying to get that done before Zelda comes out, which as of recording, this is tomorrow morning. I'll be getting up very early to go get that um, and also maybe get that sweet fanny pack that Target's giving away with it. Um, yeah, that does it for this week. If you guys like what we're doing, leave us a like, comment, subscribe, review us, and rate us on iTunes uh, or wherever it is that you are getting your podcasts from. If you really like what we're doing, you can go on over to Patreon and you can kick in a little bit of money and then we can use that to like pay writers and you know keep the site going. And uh, It's actually just really great. It keeps us going, helps us to review stuff, gives us more fuel to just uh, you know back the writer's strike and, and workers' rights and all those things. And you um, get to hear some of the content we cut from these episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I, if you want the cutting room floor. As the person that edits them every week, I I don't always have something to cut because sometimes the conversations are just too smooth and rolling. But often there's some good like, you know, analysis of of non-germane subjects that I will throw up on the Patreon for for those who want to check it out. Yeah, sometimes I I mean, I don't know if you're going to cut it this week, but maybe there's a lot about it to talk about Optimus Prime on there. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know if that's going to make this episode or not. So that might be a teaser, episode, but there's some other things that will surely get thrown in there. <laughs> we'll find out. This has already gone on for uh, an hour and five minutes. Oh, that's shorter than I thought. Yeah, we've actually, we've been doing pretty good. Um, but yeah, so with all that said, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at, but why though PC uh, you can find me on Twitter at most always Alex um, Adrian. Do you want to be found on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter primarily at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z-93. And Jason? Mostly on Twitter. It's uh, Latter underscore U, F-L-A-T-T-E-R underscore Y-O-U. And then also you can find all of us on the Discord for But Why Though. I think there might be a link in the show notes for that, but go check it out. It's a good place. You can um, just talk about 90 Day Fiance and see weird Furbies that people post for Matt. Uh, and you can talk to us and we would love to talk to you about pop culture, fast and the furious and why Vin Diesel, when he dies, will ascend to Cybertron. Um, that's it for this week though. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. 